Come Holy Spirit, soften our hearts, open our ears, help us to hear from you. For we ask these things in the name of our Savior Jesus Christ, who together with you and the Father lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I may have told you this story before. If you remember it, pretend like it's the first time you ever heard it. Um, there's a story of this, these two brothers, and they were the absolute orneriest of men. They, um, they, were, uh, they were constantly in trouble. Um, they were ungodly. Um, they were drunkards and womanizers, and they were unfaithful and, and unscrupulous in business. They would cheat people on a regular basis, and they were very wealthy. And one of them died. And so the living brother went to the local parish priest, and he said to the parish priest, Father, you know that my brother was a famous scoundrel. Um, he, was, um, he was no good. He was a womanizer and a drunkard. He was um, in all kinds of un, you know, unsavory and, and unseemly business dealings. He was corrupt in every way. However, if at his funeral you will say that my brother was a saint, I will give the church a million dollars. The priest thought about it for a minute. And he said, okay, I'll do it. But first I want the million dollars before the, the funeral. The man said, I think you're a man of your word, Father. So he wrote the check and gave it to the, to the priest, and it was deposited in the church's treasury. On the day of the funeral, the priest got up into the pulpit, and he said, you know this man, Roscoe was a scoundrel. He was a, a sleazy cheat. He would cheat people in business. He was a womanizer and a drunkard. He was not a good man at all. In all ways, this man was the epitome of bad behavior. However, compared to his brother, he was a saint. <laughs> I'm glad you got it. <laughs> we know what makes for a scoundrel, don't we? We know what makes for slimy, no good people. We know what makes for infamous sinners. But what about the other side? What makes for a saint? What are the ingredients that go in to making a saint? Now, you've probably heard that there are, um, for instance, the Roman church, that some ha- believe that the Roman church teaches that, that, a, um, that a, a person has to live a virtuous life and Five years after they're gone, they can uh, go through this process of canonization. And, and if there can be three people who attest to prayers made to this or interse- uh, that they've asked this, this person to intercede for them and that miracles have happened, the person can be canonized as a saint. And that's close to the truth, but it's not the actual truth. The truth of what the Roman church has said and taught, and I think that most churches have said and taught, is that a saint lives out his or her life in this life. The process of canonization is recognizing what is true about the person while they were alive. And so that there is a a sense in which the miracles can be attributed to them or so on. It's only because that they are in the presence of God. Uh, That's that heaven is testifying to the truth of what this person's life was really like. Others think that a saint has something to do with a special status, you know, that that they're um, they're an elevated type of person that they they um, that they have special you know gifts and graces from God they powers perhaps to be um, noted as a saint 
I think the New Testament, I think Jesus' teaching is that a saint is someone who will dare to follow Christ with their entire life. They will dare to give Jesus their entire life and trust Him even when it seems like things are difficult, even when it seems like everything is against him or her, that they don't give up. This is the essence of the Sermon on the Mount. This is how it begins, right? Jesus sees the crowds and he goes up onto a mountain and he calls his disciples and he says, if you really want to follow me, blessed are you. Blessed are you in these events. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And every one of these Beatitudes follows the same pattern, doesn't it? Blessed is, fill in the blank, for they will, future tense, blank. Right? Blessed are the persons who are going through this now, because in the future they will this. Right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Luke's version just says, blessed are the poor. Um, I don't think Jesus is necessarily just talking about monetary value here, though. I think it's much deeper than that. Blessed are the poor. The poor are the powerless. The poor cannot control things, can they? Their, their, their lack of wealth gives them a lack of influence. They can't control the ways of the world. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor. No. Have you ever been poor? See, I grew up poor. Let me just tell you this. I grew up in the south side of Springfield. Um, it, it's a it's as roughneck place as you ever want to go in your life. Um, people from Springfield say about Youngstown, <laughs> really? It's child's play. You know, we can show you how it is to live rough. Blessed are the poor? It didn't feel blessed to me growing up, I'll tell you that. It doesn't seem like you're blessed. Another uh, translation from Macarioi, where translated blessed, happy. Happy are the poor. No, they're not. Been there. Why? Happy are, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Because you can live in the kingdom, because your power doesn't come from your wealth. Your power doesn't come from the things that you possess. Blessed are those who mourn. Again, this isn't like, um, you know, someone who, uh, who loses a loved one who is mourning like that. This is blessed are those who suffer injustice. <laughs> Have you ever suffered injustice? Anyone ever said or done something to hurt you? And you know that it was wrong. You know what they said was not true. And it caused you inside to, oh, to grieve. Blessed? <laughs> no, no, not blessed at all. Yes, Jesus says, blessed are you, for you shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, the gentle. You see, all of these are, are counterculture ways to live, aren't they? These are values that go directly against the world in which we live. Everything in every part of life has a completely different message. Think about sports. I was Watching my beloved Ohio State Buckeyes last night. Yes, if anybody from Pennsylvania, I'm so sorry. I'm not really. Um, but uh, I was watching them. And you know, do you know who wins the football game? The strong, the mighty, the powerful. 
in every sport, the strongest, the most powerful prevails. Blessed are the gentle. (laughs) No, not in football, you know. Blessed are the gentle in politics. No. Blessed are the gentle in finance. No. Blessed are the gentle here. They shall inherit the earth. Oh, there's so much there. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For righteousness, not just in personal righteousness, but righteousness to willing who long to see God's will in the world. When Jesus says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth. Just like it is in heaven. People who long to see that sort of reality lived out in our world. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for that sort of world because you get to see it. You're going to see it. You will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are those who won't fight back. What? Let me just tell you something else about growing up in the south side of Springfield. Especially when you're the littlest, scroniest kid, you know. Um, I wasn't even as doughy as I am now. I was just little then. And and you got to learn to fight. Right? It's fisticuffs in the playground, in the streets, in the alleys. You gotta learn to fight. If you don't, they're just gonna beat you up. They're gonna beat you up here too. You know, you might live in a, in a genteel place, but the world is still dog eat dog no matter what zip code you live in. Blessed are the gentle. Blessed are the merciful who won't fight back. Blessed are the pure in heart. The ones who who are honest before God. No matter whatever anybody else says about them, they know they're honest before God themselves. Blessed are the peacemakers. The ones who don't try to to keep the, the heightened tension going, but instead are willing to sacrifice in order to bring it down. Who live for the greater good of humanity, not just for their own Reputation. But then this last one. Oh, did you guys see this one? Did you did you look at it? (laughs) Blessed are uh, those who are persecuted. This is really a long one. Verse 10 and 11 go together here. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right back to the beginning, right? The poor in spirit and those who are persecuted. Blessed are you. When others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. Have you ever had somebody say something about you that's just frankly not true and you can't even defend yourself? Blessed are you, Jesus says. What? Blessed are you? No, no, not blessed are you. Yes, he says you are. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. This is not conventional wisdom. Do you hear this? This is a challenge to live contrary to everything else you hear in the world. This is a a clarion call that everything else that you see in almost every other sphere is wrong. And if you're going to be a saint, if you're going to follow Christ with your whole heart and your whole life, you've got to dare to do this. 
to live in a counterculture way. Does it sound easy to you? Because it doesn't sound easy to me, not at all. It's not conventional wisdom. It's not political strategy. It doesn't make for good theater or even good drama. I had a friend a few years ago. Um, he was a um, he was one of my readers on my dissertation, and um, and he was an Anglican, uh, and he had this opportunity. He was um, he was nominated to be the bishop of the diocese of Albany, and um, and so we prayed for him and and we talked with him about it and and um, and they kind of went through the process and and so he flew from Kentucky to New York to Albany and um, was getting ready for the day of the, the big uh, Senate election. And on the night before, there were some people who brought charges against him, charges that weren't true. They were fundamentally unfair and, and baseless in their allegations. And Tori, um, he's like, well, who's saying this? And they wouldn't tell him. And he, and he, he was able to make a, 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 a defense for himself. But the damage had been done. He came in second in the election. The man they elected is a good and godly bishop. Um, and he served that diocese for, um, goodness, uh, I guess almost 15 years now. Good man. But Tory came back and he was broken. Oh, he was so hurt. And, you know, we were all working through the, the Beatitudes at that time. Tori and the rest of our class. It didn't make it any easier, you know. It didn't make it any easier to, to know that people had done that, that they had, they had acted dishonestly. A few years ago, um, I, was, I was mentoring a, uh, a pastor who was planting a church. And he says to me um, at one point, he says, uh, can you give me just one bit of advice? What's the one thing that you would tell me um, that I need, you know, above all things in order to be a priest? And it just came out. I didn't even think about it. It just jumped out of my, my mouth. I said, a willingness to suffer. <laughs> You've got to be willing to suffer. Because you will. You'll suffer. You know what? It's not just about being a priest. You want to follow Jesus. You want to be a Christian. You want to be a saint. One thing. You've got to be willing to suffer. Because in this life, there are a great many hardships that we will face. Great many difficulties. I was thinking about this yesterday as I was um, working through doing uh, uh, the wonderful task of raking leaves and pulling them to the to the curb. Um, oh my! Uh, the Browns have been winning this year, so I haven't gotten to do that on Sunday afternoons when I would normally storm out of the house and and take them out. And so yesterday I I had to help Abby. We we got them all up. And as I'm dragging um, this big uh, bundle of leaves one to the curb, this song just leapt to my mind. How firm a foundation. It's old hymn. It was written, goodness, way back, um, let me see, 1866. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. How the first line goes. There's, a, there's uh, two verses in there, verse 3 and 4, that go like this. 
When through the deep waters I call thee to go, the rivers of woe shall not thee overflow. Now we don't speak that way, so let me just kind of translate it. When you go through difficult times, when it feels like you're being overwhelmed by the flood, they won't overwhelm you. You won't drown. It might feel like you're about to drown, but you're not going to drown. I'll stri- excuse me, for I will be with thee. I will be with you. Thy troubles to bless and sanctify to thee thy deepest distress. I will make whatever difficulty you're going through a holy thing. A holy thing. Whatever difficulty you're going through, I will turn that into a blessing that will make you a saint. Sanctify thee. It will make you purer. Verse 4, when through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie. Oh my, fiery trials. Who wants to have one? Anybody want to volunteer for a fiery trial? <laughs> when you have to go through fire? Thy pathway shall lie. My grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee. I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. The poet is saying that when you go through difficult, it's a metaphor. It's, It's from metallurgy. I'm going to take this hewn rock that has gold and all kinds of impurities in it, and I'm going to melt it down so hot that the heavy metal is going to sink to the bottom. And what's left on top is there's going to be all these impurities. And, and, and the, the metallurgist is going to come and just with a ladle scrape those away. And I'm going to turn it up hotter, and there's going to be more that rises to the top. I'm going to scrape that away too. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee. I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. What's it take to make a saint? I think the same thing it takes to make a diamond. <laughs> you know, just basic carbon. They were all made up of, put under pressure, and the grace of God that comes along and purifies us and purifies us and purifies us. Today is All Saints Day. Many of them that we know who have gone on ahead of us, people like St. Patrick and St. Francis, the Blessed Virgin Mary, many, many others, many that we don't know. I could tell you stories about Saints that you've never heard of. Burt Dills, Howard Johnson. Not the, not the hotel guy, different Howard Johnson. I can tell you saying, uh, stories about saints uh, of people who are alive, who pray, and many of them I see here. The saints aren't made by some sort of fiat from somebody sitting in an ivory tower. They're regular people. Like you and you and you, you and you, you, me. Who would just dare to follow Jesus with our whole lives, even if sometimes it hurts very badly. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.